I feel like everyone has had a version of this experience. You pull open your junk drawer where you've got all these weird little bits and bobs that don't really have a purpose, but you can't bear to throw away. And there, in among them, there's almost always a handful of mysterious keys. And you pick one of the keys up, and you, and you look at it, and you think, what does this go to? And it occurs to you that probably you should throw it away. You haven't used it in years. But then some tiny voice in your head says, no, don't throw it away, because you're going to go to open something, and it's going to be locked, and you're going to go, oh, my God, where's the key? And then you're going to go, oh, my God, I've got the key. And so you put the key back in the junk drawer, and then you just do this again 10 years later when you have definitely not figured out what that key goes to. That is the story of me and and my random keys I refuse to throw away. But there is a place 9,000 feet above sea level in Colorado where the prevailing attitude is the more keys, the merrier. At the Seven Keys Lodge, they have thousands and thousands of keys, including some pretty fascinating historical ones. So we've got the key to Frankenstein's castle. And some potentially dangerous ones, too. We have a key to a nuclear power plant, like where like nuclear testing was done. And I always worry about that key and that keyframe because I think, huh, I wonder if it has any radiation. <laughs> I'm Dylan Thuris, keeper of random assorted keys, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we're headed 70 miles outside of Denver to the Seven Keys Lodge, home of the world's largest random assorted key collection. More after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. My name is Meredith Powell, and I own the Seven Keys Lodge. The Seven Keys Lodge is a three-story lodge in Estes Park, which is in northern Colorado. And the lodge has been home to summertime visitors since its opening in 1917. 
you definitely get this feel of history when you're coming up the front steps. Uh, one thing that's really neat is the original builders that were the Mace family is they utilized unique pieces of wood that they found on their property in order to be the handrails and the you know, design of the buildings. Although some stay at the lodge for its beautiful northern Colorado scenery, its biggest claim to fame is unquestionably its world-renowned key room. So when you walk into the front door, if you just go to your right, you go through the lobby and you, you come into the key room. That room is home to the world's largest key collection, which right now stands at around 20,000 keys. There's keys hanging from the ceiling and from the walls. And yeah, we've got display cabinets. we got everything. So they're all over the place. And they actually know what these keys go to, for the most part. Each key has a little description on a paper tag. So there are these keys and little tags absolutely everywhere in this room. Thousands hang from the ceiling alone. And to make sense of this key collection, to understand how it came to be, we have to go back over 100 years to when the Seven Keys Lodge was first opened by two brothers. The brothers were Charles and Gordon Mace. And they originally named it the Bald Pate Inn. It was inspired by a novel called Seven Keys to Baldpate. It came out in 1913 and was written by Earl Dare Biggers. And it's got a very writerly premise. It was about two gentlemen who met at a bar in New York City, and one said to the other, I bet you $10,000 you can't write a novel in one weekend. And he says, well, I'll take that bet. So in the novel, the protagonist, Philip Terry, with this challenge in front of him, runs off to a place called the Baldpate Inn. It's a secluded lodge and a great place to get some writing done. And when he gets there, the owners allow him to stay and tell him he will be given the one and only key to Baldpate. So in his mind, he'll be totally alone for the weekend and able to get this book done and win the bet. But of course, his peace is pretty quickly interrupted. Well, when he went up to his room, warming himself by the fire, he heard all these other six guests come through the lobby. And they were all told that they had the one and only key to Bald Pate. It's very mysterious. But come to find out, they're all hired actors by the gentleman he was in the bet with to distract him from being able to write his novel. So then Philip ends up writing this novel, this kind of novel within a novel, about all of the people distracting him at the Bald Pate Inn. And, and he wins the bet. It's a sort of murder mystery setup, but where the... The book is the victim? Or, I don't know, it's everyone, you know, in an inn sort of finding out about each other. A very classic kind of mystery novel vibe. And Charles and Gordon Mace loved this book so much that when they built their lodge in 1917 and put it in this secluded area of Estes Park, they decided that they would name it after the inn in the book, the Baldpate Inn. And they even invited the author of the book, Earl Dare Biggers, uh, to the lodge to get his blessing on the name. And... He was into it. He was cool with this idea. And as a sort of homage to the book, they gave away keys as keepsakes to every guest who stayed there. So you'd come and you'd get a room and you'd leave with this little souvenir key. But it actually started to get a little bit expensive when the price of metal increased after World War I. And one night, the Maces were at dinner. They were talking with a friend and explaining their predicament. They, they wanted to keep this focus on keys, this kind of novel key thing, as part of the Bald Pate Inn experience. But giving them away was just costing too much. And so their friend had a very straightforward and simple idea. And he said, well, why don't you see if your guests would leave a key instead? So he offered up a key 
1923, which we still have in the key room. And that's what kicked off this key collection craze. So as the years go by, this key collection starts to grow and grow. Sometimes people stay and they leave a key as they check out, sometimes even send keys from wherever they are in the world. And after about 100 years of collecting, Meredith says that this key collection has some pretty incredible specimens. We've got a key to a submarine. We've got keys to ocean liners, keys to the first plane that made a transcontinental flight um, by American Airlines um, that landed in Denver. There's Mozart's wine cellar, you know, Nottingham Palace. I'm trying to think we've got uh, Westminster Abbey Chapel. Meredith explains that obviously it's pretty hard to validate that all of these keys open the doors that they say they do. In fact, some of those doors almost certainly don't exist anymore. But she explains that many of them came with detailed letters about their backstory, which serve as a sort of proof of authenticity. A lot of the letters are framed with the keys, so you can read up on the story who gave it, how they got it. And so to me, that proves a lot of validity. Meredith's favorite key joined the collection uh, from a guest who stayed at the Baldpate and mailed his key after he got home and sent along a pretty wild story to go along with it. The key that stands out to me is this one that's some car keys in a leather case uh, from an old Chevy vehicle. And what was attached to it wasn't a card, but instead it was a photograph of a vehicle. And on the back of this picture is a story and it said, we made it home without any problems only to be hit by a train the very next day. And he says, and no one was hurt. We were all okay. So I'm sending my keys and a picture of the car. (laughs) Meredith grew up coming to Estes Park as a kid. So when she and her husband, Mark, bought the Baldpate Inn in December of 2020, it was a pretty special moment for her. But they also wanted to change things up a little bit. Uh, they first decided that they would change the name. The name had been Baldpate for, you know, 100 plus years, and not a lot of people were actually familiar with the book anymore. We wanted to give it a refresh, but we wanted to hold with the history. And so since we knew that it was tied to the book Seven Keys to Baldpate, we thought it was appropriate to stay still within that same vein and go with Seven Keys Lodge. And it would at least give the public the idea that it's had a refresh, it's got new ownership, and it's just a little bit of a pick-me-up. The Seven Keys Lodge is going into just its second season uh, under their new ownership. And Meredith says that even in that short time, she's seen a lot of similarities between the people who decide to come and stay there. We have a lot of hikers. So a lot of people will come and stay with us if they're wanting to go hike Long's Peak. It is literally three miles um, down the road from us. Um, People who we have Homer Rouse Trail. We've got twin sisters. We've got the park around us. But we have a lot of people that I think really enjoy having an experience. Meredith also believes that a certain adventurous, outdoors-oriented president was one of the Lodge's guests way back in the day. It's rumored that Theodore Roosevelt stayed there. You know, we're right next to not only are we Rocky Mountain National Park, literally in our backyard. We are surrounded by the park, but Roosevelt National Park is um, just down the road. Meredith and her family are actually the first Lodge owners to live there throughout the year. For guests, the Lodge is only open seasonally from the beginning of June through mid to late October, And I will say their famous key collection, it is still growing, although maybe not quite as rapidly as before. You know, it's funny. I've had a lot of people come in and like, oh, I would give you my car key, except my car key is a fob now. Or, you know, there's 
there's not a key anymore. And so many people now have the programmable locks on their house doors. So I don't, I don't know. I, I would never turn away a good key or a key with a good story. So if you want to send them, we'll take them. (laughs) The Seven Keys Lodge is open seasonally. It's about a 90 minute drive from Denver, but its key room is accessible to guests and visitors alike. So if you're in the area, you should stop by and just take a look. Like Meredith said, it is right next to Rocky Mountain National Park and Roosevelt National Park. So, you know, go take a hike, look at some keys, maybe leave one of your own. You'll finally have something to do with those strange, mysterious keys at the bottom of your drawer. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Baudelaire Seuss. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore. Our technical director is Casey Holford. And this episode was sound designed by Baudelaire Seuss and mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, A thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.